in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to... Episode 81 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly. Uh, you know, 81, that's the Terrell Owens number, but there is an 81 to, to speak of. It is Tyler Heineman, who is a non-roster invitee who has made the giant 60-man club pool is that what they're calling it club pool i think they're calling they're calling it summer camp and of course they found a sponsor a camping sponsor to sponsor summer camp but delightful yeah i i'm i'm already wondering about the sort of taste level of that given everything that's going on (laughs) and the risks that people are taking to be there they're not exactly going to be going there with floaties on so um, learning archery and basket weaving I, or, or maybe they will be. Who knows? I mean, you know, if you're going to be out and about, you might as well pick up a few uh, outdoorsy skills while you're at it. Um, but I, how, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I am. I am sort of a little bit baffled by all these roster rules, and I'm trying to parse them, and I, I feel like I'm failing. Uh, I'm not so great with minutia, anyways. I have a, a very small, small brain, and the idea of if someone's removed by the from the forty man, are they placed on the sixty man, or are they lost forever? I, bleh, like my brain just turns into a fog and leaks out my nose. So, uh, for the next half an hour, why don't you just talk about it and tell me everything I need to know? <laughs> okay, well, we we do have we finally do the Giants were the thirtieth team out of thirty to release uh, their player pool, and the important thing to know is that this is not important. Uh, that's where we should start. <laughs> I think that if if all teams had to present a list of this player pool and they were not able to add any players to it, and only players on this list were the only ones that could participate in in regular season games, then this deadline, which passed on Sunday, um, uh, would mean a lot. But teams can still add players. They can still add players within their organization, uh, minor league players. They didn't have to put everyone on their 40-man roster necessarily into their 60-player pool. They didn't have to list 60 players. And in fact, it would have been dumb for them to do so because to take people out of that pool is really tough. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, Some teams are, are really loading up the back end of this pool with prospects just so they have a place for their prospects to get coaching, get reps, have some semblance of development. So a Marco Luciano is a great example. He's a guy who's 18, 19 years old. He's not going to be in the big leagues this year, but the Giants know he's extremely important to their future as an organization. And so he is in uh, the pool. Uh, But if the Giants want to take him out of the pool at some point, which you think, well, he's not going to play in the big leagues. Maybe there's someone useful. They're going to have to release him. And that's not going to happen. So once you put someone in this pool, they're in the pool. If, if you care about them at all, you're not going to take them out. And that's why you saw the Giants only um, have 51 players uh, that they announced in their pool. Some teams were in the mid-40s 
uh, and that'll give them an opportunity to add people back later. So um, there, there's a few little things that we can get into that's interesting about who they did or did not select. But for the most part, this is just sort of, okay, this is the group that's going to be allowed to work out when they open these camps on Friday. And that's the other thing. If you're not in this pool, you can't work out. You have to continue doing your own thing on your own. You can't be at the facility and all this other stuff. So um, that's kind of where we are. But at least we know who those names are now, and we can talk about that. Did you catch the typo on this roster? Ooh. Uh, well, I, I immediately go to Yastrzemski and Samarja. Nope, they got that right. It's nope, close. No, it's actually right. between Hunter Pence and Austin Slater. Uh, they completely omitted Yasiel Puig. <laughs> like, he's, he's just not there, which I don't know. That's not what I was led to believe. But, you know, honestly, the the minutia, the, the little tidbit that was floating around that really captured my attention was the news that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that teams cannot trade players who are not on this uh, 60-man club pool or whatever you're going to call it, that you're going to, if the Giants want to make a huge blockbuster trade, it will have to be, if they're trading a prospect, Joey Barch, uh, 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 Luciano, or um, Elliot Ramos. It's got to be one of those three if they're making some huge blockbuster because you can't just supplement it with guys off the 60-man. But that should affect, obviously that's not going to happen, but if the Giants are looking to make a similar trade for the prospects they got for Sam Dyson last year, uh, it's going to be a lot harder for them to do that because the Twins wouldn't have a lot of guys like that on their 60-man pool, correct? Yeah, no, you're right. And again, I think teams can always add those players whenever they they want to at a later time, but they have to have that space available. So if you're already at full 60, you're going to have to essentially ditch somebody with very little ways to hide them. Now, if they do go on the COVID-19 list, which you don't even need a positive test, you just need symptoms and there's no... Uh, minimum or maximum. You can be on it for one day and they figured out you had a false positive and you can be put back on. Then uh, there's no harm, no foul on that. But otherwise, it's really hard to take somebody off that list and keep them in the organization. So that's sort of the thought is, okay, it's a lot easier to add people later. So let's just punt decisions. And, you know, if you're a team like the Dodgers, I think we can kind of draw a line between how many prospects, low-level prospects, teams are putting in this pool kind of tells you where their focus is this season. Even though everyone's in theory got a much better chance, uh, teams that didn't think they could contend over the long haul now think maybe they can. A team like the Dodgers, you know, you see them leave a lot of spaces blank. Maybe later they can add some of those development-oriented players if they feel that their needs are pretty well set. Or by not naming people, maybe they can name other people from the organization or other minor league free agents, people who have a better chance of actually playing in games and helping them win games this season. So it's a little bit of a, of a, a numbers game, I think, that uh, the teams have, have gone through as they've done this exercise. Because it was always going to be tricky this this season for trades. I mean, the trade deadline is August 31st, which is just barely a, over a month after the season starts. You know, who's going to give up a lot for a month's worth of information on a player? If it's a player where you, you feel comfortable that you know enough about that player, like a Moogie Betts or something like that, you would be giving up a lot of prospects for, what, a month? You know, a month plus the postseason. And so you're probably not going to want to give up a, a huge chunk for that, too. That was already going to make it tricky for the Giants to make a trade, to trade someone like a Kevin Gaussman or 
or uh, Drew Smiley. All the other stuff around it just makes it even harder because just to take that Dyson Twins trade example, the Twins would have, if I'm hearing you correctly, they would have had to add Jalen Davis if he weren't already there to the player pool, uh, Kaiwei Tang and uh, Prelander Baroa, I believe I have the prospects. Yep. They would have had to add them to the roster and then trade them to the Giants. And then the Giants, I guess, would have to have them on the roster. That'd be correct? Correct. Yeah, they'd have to carry all those players uh, in their pool as well. But I mean, the one thing to keep in mind is, you know, we may not see a whole lot of trades. And Ken Rosenthal made this great point, because what if the postseason ends up not happening? What if they get this season started and they can't finish it? I mean, teams aren't going to want to give up a lot for a rental of a player when we're not even sure if we're going to be able to see this season and the postseason to its conclusion. And there's no better evidence of that than the other big news we got today, which is the reason Hunter Bishop, last year's number one pick, is not in the pool is because he tested positive for COVID-19. And uh, and he is uh, isolating in Arizona right now. So he's only got mild symptoms. He's improving. Young guys, very healthy. No real concern, I think, for him personally. But that's the reason that he's not on this list. And, you know, we may get to a point in a number of cities where to be able to have the congregation you need to have in a building to stage a Major League Baseball game may, you know, be no longer a possibility. And we may be seeing that happening in L.A. County right now with what's happening there. So, yeah, we just don't know if there are going to be larger forces that are going to prevent us from uh, seeing, you know, baseball to its conclusion. And, and yet, we still have all of this minutia and this interesting roster stuff to comb through in case it can get through. So, you know, at, at least we've got a little bit to distract us and nerd out about. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And, and the Hunter Bishop news is just, it's its startling because you know it's coming. You, you, you know it's coming just if, if the Major League Baseball population is 700, you know, 800 players. You, you know, it's a numbers game. You're going to see some, some positive tests. Uh, and then when you expand it to the minor leagues, of course. Uh, but it's still like you can't just stop and say, well, you know, he's he's a strong young man and they're generally unaffected because, uh, you know, what, the famous athlete who tested positive, Rudy Gobert, the basketball player for the Utah Jazz, the one who touched all the microphones to be silly and then came down with COVID-19. He still says, like, I can't smell. He hasn't regained fully his sense of smell. Uh, because this virus is just so dang weird. And so you have these reports of young people who come down with all these symptoms that last for months, and it's almost like a chronic fatigue syndrome thing. Uh, and it affects different people differently. So when I hear that Hunter Bishop is ill, and but he's, he's feeling fine, mild symptoms, like part of me is like, phew, that's great. But there's another part of me that's, that's just so terrified about the first young player whose livelihood is put at risk by this. And it, it's just... To see Hunter Bishop's name come up, it was just, wow, just a bucket of water in the face. Yeah, it's the great unknown of not knowing exactly what form long-term the repercussions are. I mean, we know it's it's a lot more than a respiratory virus. It, it's a vascular virus. It affects a lot of systems within the human body, and it affects people in, in different ways. And yeah, we don't know long-term what some of the unforeseen costs may be. I know that for all these players who are going out there, they are going to be you know, risking themselves to a certain extent. And we are seeing the first of players who are just saying, you know what, uh-uh, not for me. Mike Leake, he opted out with the Diamondbacks. Yep. Ryan Zimmerman, I know there's another Nationals player, I believe it's Joe Ross, has decided that it's not going to be worth it to them to play. And they won't be the last ones either. We do know right now the Giants do not have any players who fall 
under that category, no one has said specifically, hey, I'm not showing up. I don't want to play. And the Giants like didn't put them in the pool because of that. We don't have any of those sort of documented examples, at least with the Giants. But I think we will see a few more around the game. All right, well, let's go to the roster and start poking around at some of the surprises that maybe left on, left off. Uh, you know, I like I you explained it pretty well in the beginning. It probably doesn't mean anything. I know Chris Shaw is the one name, uh, uh, Melvin uh, Adon uh, is another one that I was sort of like, well, why wouldn't you just have them on? Um, because they're already on the 40-man roster. And I think it's because it's so much harder to take them off. And those, you know, like it, you don't want to have to take them off. You can always add them later. So are there, it, are there even surprises? Should we be surprised by anything on this? Yeah, you know, part of me was thinking that, okay, they're going to put all their 40-man people on because like a Chris Shaw is a great example. He's somebody that... Um, you know, they're going to have these 40-man rules uh, apply when they're actually making roster moves during the season. It's not like they can freely take people from the pool and put them on their active roster, which will be 30 to start the year. Then after two weeks, it'll be 28. And after two weeks, it'll be down to the regular 26. Um, they still have to be on the 40-man roster as well uh, to, to play in a major league game, be on an active roster. So you figure, well, they're going to want to take all their 40-man players. That way they have the most flexibility um, you know, to, to move people up and down. Um, and if they don't have these players of the 40-man in the pool, then they can't work out and be part of this sort of spring training reboot for a couple weeks. So I did think we were going to see closer to a full 40-man and there's 33 of the 40-man players who are in the pool. And you mentioned, I think, uh, two notable names, um, Chris Shaw, um, uh, Melvin Adone, um, you know, who else? I'll have to go through the list Yandel, here. Gustave. Right. He, and most of, these people, most of these people were, were optioned um, before, you know, spring training ended. Kian Wong, yeah, you got it. Uh, Jose Siri, they just claimed him off waivers, outfielder. Um, so, you know, they can always be added later. Um, but And some guys who they had optioned out toward the end of spring training are back. Steven Duggar um, was optioned uh, to minor league camp, and he's, he's back. He's part of the pool. Sean Anderson, another guy who's part of the pool who had been optioned out. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to want to get another look at these guys and see if they've been able to make some progress. You know, Sean Anderson's a great example of a guy who was really working on making some changes with some of the analytics the coaching staff was showing to him. And it was pretty obvious he was struggling a little bit with it and wasn't going to be ready by opening day. Hey, maybe he's been throwing, you know, off on the side and working on some of this stuff and he's going to be blowing people's doors off, uh, uh, you know, when we all uh, get together on, on Friday and maybe he could be an option to, to start the year with the team again. Who knows? I think I was waiting for this uh, sort of with bated breath and, and thinking, oh boy, this is going to tell us a lot about the, the, the makeup of the team and what we can expect uh, in the, the 2020 season. And as the other team started to release theirs, uh, all 29 of the other teams, uh, <laughs> we, we st- I, I kind of figured out quickly that, no, you know, we don't actually know anything. It, you know, it, to the to the extent like 
As of right now, Pablo Sandoval is still a non-roster invitee. You pretty much know he's going to make the team. It would be very surprising, barring injury, if he weren't on the team, if they didn't have some sort of uh, gentleman's agreement to put him on the team, because uh, why else would he sign with the National League team? Why else would he sign with the Giants uh, if, if he felt like he had to fight for that spot? So I don't think we know anything that we didn't know before. It just sort of feels like... I don't know. I th- I was expecting more of a aha moment, and I don't think we got that. Yeah, I, I agree. They didn't really rule out anybody who, um, you know, you'd be like, whoa, th- this person's not there. That That's surprising. I mean, the only one right. was really Hunter Bishop because they said they intended to put him on there, and then obviously there's a reason why uh, he's not there. Uh, but Elliot Ramos is. Uh, Marco Luciano is. Uh, Joey Bart is, even though he's not really looked at as a candidate to, to be on the team, at least uh, as of opening day. Uh, but you mentioned Pablo Sandoval and he was one of four guys. And this was really the hangup as I understand it for them to release this roster. Uh, Pablo was one of four guys that they kind of had to renegotiate with. And they in fact did release Pablo as well as Yolmer Sanchez, who's probably going to be the opening day second baseman, as well as Billy Hamilton, who becomes more relevant than ever with a runner at second base and extra innings rule. Um, and the fourth one is Trevor Cahill, who we know was in line to maybe be a member of the rotation or, or a bulk innings pitcher. Um, and those all four guys they released and re-signed um, to basically contracts, uh, new contracts with new terms. I think they rewrote in some of their performance bonuses to reflect a different uh, length of season. Um, they all still have an opt-out opportunity if they're not added to the roster five days before the season starts. Um, but I think it's kind of clear the Giants are telegraphing that, hey, all four of these guys are, are going to be on our team. And we're just, you know, re-sort of writing their contracts to reflect the reality of, of, of the season in front of us. One of the, the more fascinating pieces I've read uh, in the last week was uh, from Fangraphs. It, it, the title is Billy Hamilton on second with no outs. And it's from uh, Ben Clemens. And he just writes about it's a legitimate tactical advantage to have Billy Hamilton on your roster if they're doing the silly extra inning rule where you start the inning with a runner on second base. It is a tactical advantage. It adds wins to your team. And that's extremely, A, it's fun, and B, it's funny. Like, that's just, it's funny to me that Billy Hamilton is suddenly crazy valuable in the 2020 season, but you have to think the Giants are going to have him uh, uh, on the roster, the active roster, but we don't know that yet for sure because it's just sort of this amorphous player pool and he's not there yet because it doesn't have to be. And so we don't know what's going on. And the Giants could have sought to say, look, basically, we're going to resign you, but we want you to waive your opt-out. And Farhan Zaidi was like, you know what? That's not fair. These guys have had good careers. They're accomplished. We can't ask that of them and leave them in limbo and maybe have them go spend a bunch of time at the alternate site camp, which will will in fact be in Sacramento. Um, you know, that, that wasn't an ask we were going to make of them, but I think it's pretty clear that they were all kind of given as much assurance as could be given that, you know, they're going to be a part of this team. Now, do you know, uh, specifically, and maybe this is not something that came up, but did they entertain the idea of getting Patrick Bailey in the player pool, the, the Giants first round pick, uh, once he signed, uh, I, I didn't miss that he signed. I don't think he has yet. I don't know. Who knows? But um, oh, is he a possibility to get that extra development time that the Giants are looking for? 
Yeah, that actually came up on the Zoom call that we had with with Gabe Kapler and Farhan, and um, and and Farhan in fact said that he appreciated the question. I think that as soon as they get Bailey signed, uh, which they haven't announced, uh, they've only announced the one signing, and that was the third round pick out of uh, um, Concord De La Salle High School. Um, but as soon as they do get him signed, I do think that they are open to potentially using one of their slots in the pool um, to have Patrick Bailey be a part of of that uh, alternate squad. So again, he can start to get indoctrinated and get reps and catch uh, people who have major league experience and, and do all that good stuff. If you're going to add a prospect to this pool for the express purpose of getting them reps, getting them you know just as much... Uh, development time as you possibly can in in 2020. You catchers would be at the top of the the list, the top of the your priority, uh, which makes it somewhat surprising to me that the Giants really are keeping it keeping it light with the catchers. At least for now, they have Buster Posey is the only 40 man uh, on the or only catcher on the 40 man as of right now. Uh, the catchers that they've added from the NRIs, you have Rob Brantley, Tyler Heineman, and Joey Bart. And that's it. And that surprises me a little. But I guess, again, they could always add catchers as the season goes along. Yeah, it, it surprises me just from a functional standpoint, because there's still a lot of pitchers on this list. Yes. And I assume they're all going to be throwing bullpens and they're going to need to be caught. Um, now, we know they have, you know, bullpen catchers. They have Tyra Uematsu. They have 18 billion coaches on their staff. So uh, <laughs> may- maybe they've uh, they've figured out that, that, you know, and obviously they're 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 looking at spacing out their workouts at to start, even though a lot of teams are going to be sending some of their pool to their major league facility and some to their alternate facility. The Giants, at least when they start and they open their camp on Friday, are going to have everybody working out at Oracle Park. Um, and they've repurposed a lot of areas. There's obviously going to be no fans there, so there's a lot of spaces that were not um, available to them that they can now use. Uh, There's a big player parking garage uh, that's sort of right underneath the Coke bottle, and um, it's it's called the Matt Latos Memorial Parking Garage, (laughs) and uh, and they've turfed that off, and they've got mounds, and they've got stuff going on there. And they're going to stagger the the workouts into basically three separate workouts and have people come in in in, in um, sort of groups A, B, and C, so no one's there all at the same time. Um, and uh, and they're going to have everyone report to uh, Oracle Park to start. Uh, and then I think when the season begins, then um, then the alternate site will open in Sacramento, and they'll have a good idea about the you know best practices that they've learned. Uh, from a couple of weeks of, of sort of spring training too that they can use as they repurpose the the facility in Sacramento to, to meet their needs. And, and they, they, they have been in contact with the A's, by the way, and I think they can play as many as three um, sort of exhibitions, although do you call them exhibitions when no one can really, you can't really exhibit them to anybody? I don't know. Um, right. Scrimmages, whatever. Um, but they can play the A's as many as three times before the season starts. And um, and I think that they're probably going to do that. Uh, and then where the season starts, who knows? We, we don't know when we're going to see a schedule or, or when that's going to come out. Um, there's obviously a lot of things in flux and, and maybe some places that think they can play in a certain location where that location could be unavailable to them based on what happens with COVID-19. So, um, but at least for now, they, they kind of 
can map out what the next couple weeks will look like. Do you know the scope of of all the places that they've repurposed throughout the ballpark? Are there going to be like people throwing be or throwing a bullpen session in like the club level? And I'm like not trying to be silly. Like I'm just trying to figure out how like this is a lot of players and you don't want them all up against each other but like where are you going to put them all and how creative are they going to get all around the ballpark are we talking indoors are we talking upper deck are we talking orlando's caribbean barbecue like where, where are all these players going to be yeah they're going to be on the roof and they're going to be driving toyota trucks <laughs> there's around. a truck on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> there's a truck on the roof um yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I think that mostly it's going to be on the field. When they have meetings, they're going to be on the field, like all in a big, like, uh, um, sort of social distance circle and stuff like that. Um, the fact they can break the workouts into sort of three different groups coming at different times, I think will help them. They've got obviously the two brand new bullpens out there. Um, you know, you've got two clubhouses, home and road, and they can scatter people through there in, in terms of lockering people. Um, they have two sets of indoor cages behind each, you know, dugout. Um, and then, uh, like I said, they've got that big area, uh, which is, you know, more or less a covered garage and it's a pretty high ceiling area. So I don't know if they're going to have any hitting cages in there, but, um, they certainly will have, uh, some, some temporary mounds they can put in. Um, to provide some extra places for people to get their throwing in. So I, I think that they're going to have enough room. There's a lot more room than you think of when you start to imagine the entire place being emptied out. Um, and and we're going to be able, as media members, we're going to be able to go in on, on Friday, and we're going to have to sign a waiver, get a temperature check. We're going to have a very specific route we have to walk through to get to the press box, press box area. Uh, we'll be able to sit in the stands in front of the press box as well, so we can be in the open air, which is a better idea. Yes, and uh, and I think they're going to make about maybe a ninety-minute or to two-hour slice of practice available to us to watch per day, um, and then they'll have Gabe Kapler available on a Zoom call, and they'll let us make some requests for one-on-ones that would also be handled probably mostly over the phone. So um, yeah, I mean they're they're working through a billion protocols. I mean that book was one hundred and one pages long, and and uh, it gets. It gets really into into the weeds in a lot of ways, but you know, as Farhan Zaidi said today too, it's all of this has been has been a, an exercise in the abstract. And as they get into actual practice, they're going to learn some things have to be different, or they have to make some adjustments, and they just have to be ready to do that. All right, so you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but which member of the media corps covering the Giants? would you say is the most likely to ignore social distancing and just be a really obnoxious close talker? Give me like a list of five names. Wow. I'm going to go with Barry Bloom because he's a hugger. (laughs) He's a hugger. He will come up to you and just lay one on you. And, uh, and, and and so I'm going to go with Barry Bloom. Uh, yeah, he's he's gonna have he's gonna have to dial back the hug impulse. Because I I think I've established on this podcast that I I filled up on gas twice in the last f- three months, and both times have given me like a near panic attack. Like I have not eaten takeout from a restaurant in three months. Uh, that's how paranoid I am. And the idea of going to the ballpark, like I go back and forth, uh, and spots are going to be limited, so it's not going to be an issue for the most part. But um, it just, I I go back and forth because it seems like it could be possible. You get your temperature checked, you're wearing your mask, you're sitting out in front in the open air. What could possibly go wrong? And then the other part of me just thinks, oh my gosh, you could, like, I'm, I'm terrified. Are you? 
so where are you on this spectrum and are you how are you reacting to this idea of just going back to the ballpark yeah i mean you know i i think i'm fairly comfortable with it because i would be in my car um and driving to the ballpark um i i wouldn't be on public transportation um uh you know i i wouldn't be within uh six feet of anyone at any time uh, I'd be wearing a mask everyone else will be wearing a mask um, I'll make sure I have hand sanitizer and all that good stuff on me and and wash my hands a lot uh, based on any surfaces that I may touch but I'll try not to touch anything um, and yeah I I, I kind of feel okay with all that um, I, I've been doing most of the grocery shopping and and uh, I think only once and, and this was maybe in very late March before people were wearing masks only once did I feel like, Oh, this doesn't, this seems like there's too many people in here. I don't feel so safe about this, but I mean, ever since then, I think as long as I, I just wash up and, and, and make sure that I'm wearing a mask and everyone around me is wearing a mask, I kind of feel like, you know, and, and you just try not to share as much indoor air as you can, you know, right. be out of doors and, and we're seeing it in Arizona, uh, you know, how it's exploded. Well, well, duh, it's 115 degrees there. So everyone's indoors um, yeah. congregating. So um, it's kind of, sort of the reverse, uh, what do they call it? The reverse of, of um, flu season. Uh, they say normally it, it abates in, in in the summer because everyone gets out of doors. But in a place like Arizona, everyone goes indoors. So um, I just think it's, it's a good idea to be outside. And um, I think for the most part, especially if they make the areas outside the press box and the seating areas available to us, I'll, I'll sit out there and just be in the open air, make sure I'm not near anybody. And, um, yeah, I guess I'm a little, a, a little concerned, but you know, I think as long as, as I'm conscientious and everyone around me is conscientious, then I, I'm, uh, I think that'll go a long way to making me feel pretty safe. Uh, I actually think that I had it. I think that I had it when I was uh, when I came home from Arizona uh, for my little spring training trip after staying in uh, the house that you were generous enough to let me stay in. So I, you know, the first thing I do when I went to the, when I go to any house, I go around and I lick doorknobs. Uh, <laughs> and I did that here, and I thought, well, you know, it's not no big deal. But uh, I don't know. I want the antibody test because, like I said, I'm a I'm a nervous Nelly. And uh, bless bless the people who like you who are a little bit more rational. I mean, it, it's I don't want to say that I'm irrational, but I'm certainly not. I, I'm a little further on the the rational spectrum. I think I've I've gone past the tipping point. Well, I just wish that everyone was a little more like you and a little less like <laughs> Lake of the Ozarks, you know, because then maybe we wouldn't be a big, dumb, stupid country and we could actually, uh, you know, be be thinking not only about the rights we have as citizens, but the responsibilities that we also have to each other. Imagine thinking about other people. Well, I know. It's too fantastical for me to consider, so we'll sign off there. This has been episode 81 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Brian Smith for producing. And we will be back on Thursday, and we should have more developments. I don't know. Puig. We'll talk about Puig on Thursday. See you then. <laughs>